All right, and we're going to welcome our podcast viewers, listeners back to Love Notes from God. We are back from our Christmas break and from our um, time with our families and friends as we celebrated um, the birth of Christ and the word becoming incarnate. That was the most important thing that we could have grabbed hold of during this Christmas season is that God became flesh. The living word of God became a human so that he could be there for us. Now, for those who are here, they've walked in and see, I still have all the Christmas decorations up here at the clubhouse at Lake Cove. And if you drive by my house, all my Christmas decorations are still up, all my lights are still on. And I do that. My kids give me the hardest time about that because my girls, they decorate for Christmas like before Thanksgiving and I always wait till after Thanksgiving and they keep it up and then on the 26th they're ready to take it down and I've always kept it up till after the new year because that's just what my mom did but when I was in seminary several years ago and we studied a little bit more about um, some more of the high church what we would call the high church doctrines but more liturgical churches and the ways that they go through and teach the feast and stuff, which we don't teach. We don't teach about feast in most of our churches. Occasionally, maybe the pastor will grab it and talk about a feast. If, he, if it's something that he was wanting to address that day. But um, we, we just don't talk about the day of Epiphany. We don't talk about the fact that there are 12 days of Christmas and it's not just a song about a partridge in a pear tree, which by the way, that partridge in the pear tree is supposed to be Christ on the cross. Um, every one of those things has a theological reference to it. And I encourage you, if you ever have time to go back and look at that, but each of those 12 days of Christmas is a different type of feast day. And in... Um, in days long ago, when we were all, <laughs> when we didn't have all these denominations and all of these different doctrines, we would, the church, you would put your Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve because the Christmas season started on Christmas Day. They would cut the live trees and of course, you know, they put candles on them too, so they probably didn't want them up <laughs> real long, but they would put the trees up and then they would put their decorations up and they would begin with the feast on Christmas day. And they go through 12 days of feasting for different things and celebrating. And then on the 16th is what they would call the theophany, but we know it as the day of epiphany. Now, what is an epiphany? When you think of that word, oh, I just had an epiphany. What does that mean? A revelation, a, a knowing, you figured something out. Right. A brilliant, a brilliant thought, revelation, knowing. Okay. A, an epiphany is just that. It's a revelation. It's a brilliant thought. But it's coming into knowledge of something that is greater than you. That's really what an epiphany is. What did those three wise men, those three magi, come into contact with? 
come into knowledge of. That's what we celebrate here on the day of Epiphany, is that they came into the knowledge of God eternal as a newborn baby. So I really wanted, I don't often do these like theme one day things. Um, Linda, you'll learn <laughs> that I often will say, okay, we're going to do a six week study on this, or we're going to look at this book of the Bible or this chapter or this topic. But I really wanted to address this because our meeting back from Christmas break fell on the day of Epiphany. I really wanted to talk about this because it's about seeking Jesus. What can we learn from the wise men? What can we learn from this day of Epiphany about how we are to seek after Christ? So we know here, and I'm going to look here. Um, they came from where? Where do we think these men came from? They were from the East. They were from the East. Okay. Asia. Asia, maybe. Um, the Eastern reference is probably Persia, which is, yeah, that general area. And it's probably more specifically the Babylonian area or modern day Iraq. Okay. So let's think back. Who else do we know? Who do we know from the Old Testament who was sent to Babylon and never returned to Israel, was captured, taken to Babylon? Daniel. Daniel was a foreigner, right? And became a friend of the king. Okay. I'm not real big into this foreshadowing stuff, but when I was reading this, this stood out to me in one of the, um, one of the things I read. Daniel was a foreshadow of these three magi coming because they became a friend of the king of kings that night. He went to Babylon. They came from Babylon back to Israel. There's just something God is so circular. Have you ever noticed that? It all just comes together into something. And we can't tie it up in a box with a nice little bow on the top and make a neat package out of it. But when we look at it, it's all intertwined and it all flows together and it all rolls along. That's why I keep thinking of the circle because it rolls along through history. So, um, I want us to go here to Micah. We're going to go to the Old Testament. I know I'm talking about the Magi, but we're going to go to the Old Testament. But we're going to go to Micah 5 2. Let me make sure I get this pulled up correctly. Most of my scriptures are written in this that I'm looking at, but okay. And this is the verse that led them to the King of Kings. Micah 5.2, and I'm actually going to read King James, believe it or not. <laughs> Debbie's like in shock. I do prefer um, New American Standard. That is just my preferred translation. And that's, that's a seminary holdover because it's much more literal with the newest findings of, of, um, of scrolls, et cetera. 
But the new King James it did pretty good about going back. They didn't just modernize the language. They did go and look at some of those scrolls and update some stuff. I don't, um, but I'm gonna read the King James just because this is just how it always was taught to me. What drew the wise men there? It says, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall come, shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from the old of old from everlasting. So when they are studying these, these ancient writings, remember the Magi were wise men. They're actually, they were probably, we think they were, and I can't say the word Zoroastrianism. I can't say it, but it is you know, in Middle Eastern religion, that's probably what they were, where they would use astrology and stuff to predict things and to, um, to just guide. And they were the wise men of the kings of Babylon because they would be brought in to, much like the prophets of the Old Testament would be brought in to guide the king. Um. You mentioned astrology, and, and mm -hmm. I was listening to a preacher online, and one of them, and of course I don't remember which one because there's so many I listened to, but he actually said that the astrology of today is not no. what the because the Bible said you know there'll be signs in the, mm -hmm. in the you know sky and, and right and look at the sky and the stars and all that. So so he said this they really. Um, Put a sour note on the astrology these days with all the you know, the horoscope and all that. And that is not what no the, they these people were. They would doing. study astrology the way I and when I think often sailors study the skies. They right. studied the astrology to know when it was safe to travel. Right. Um, they they were the they were searching ancient scriptures and prophecies. Yes, these wise men were searching the prophecies that probably came to them let's think about it from daniel mm -hmm. from shadrach meshach and abednego and the other young men that we don't know the names of that were captured and taken to babylon they brought with them these prophecies they brought with them this promise of a messiah who was coming and so these three wise men and it may have been more than three we traditionally say it was these three and it may have been 10 it may have been 20. I mean, we don't know how many they really were. We don't know how many consulted together, and then maybe they just sent three to make the trip. And maybe those three were the ones that decided to turn around, not go a different way. and not Right. They could have all had different ways they wanted to go. We don't, I, there are so many things when I start reading, because I am that type of person, I go down this rabbit trail and think, oh, I wonder, I wonder what, what this was. I wonder what happened here. That's the historian in me, I think. I want to know the details of the whole story. Um, but they, they studied these scriptures, and that scripture there, Micah, says it's going to be in Bethlehem. That's why they chose Bethlehem. But there are also scriptures, and I'm trying to find here where it was written. Okay, here it is. We're going to go here to Numbers 24, 17. These are the scriptures that they were going and looking towards. And this is where the astrology comes into play. 
Numbers 24 seven says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. A star out of Jacob. Now we know that Christ comes out of Jacob's line, the lineage. But we, last year, do you remember last year in December when they made such a big deal about the Bethlehem star was visible for the first time in hundreds of years? Um, I took all those, uh, we had foster, well, it was two years ago, wasn't it? It was in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I pulled the, we had two foster children with us at the time too. And so my two girls who still lived at home and, and our two foster sons, we pull them all out and we're looking at the sky and those little boys are like, what? You know, why is this important? And so we are teaching them, but a star, the brightest star they'd ever seen is what they've ended up. But this prophecy says there shall come a star out of Jacob. So what do they, what do we believe that the, well, we know, what does Matthew tell us that the wise men followed to find the Christ child? A star, a star. And it says a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So we know that the king, it's a king who's going to be born there. And then let's look here. Um, Psalms 147.4. We know that God says this. He says, he telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. The stars are not bad things. We are taught, like Linda brought up here, astrology has given, our modern day astrology has given such a bad taste in Christianity to the science of astronomy. Right? The stars hold mysteries of God. God created those stars just like he created us. He uses the stars to guide us before we had GPSs. And what do our GPSs go off of, by the way? The stars. (laughs) But before we had GPSs, before we even had maps, because cartographers were, were not that many and maps were expensive to produce, how did we learn to travel? What is basic wilderness survival? They tell you to find the North Star and follow it because the North Star is not going to move. Um, God knows the number of stars. He calls them all by name. Stars are important and we, we try to put them aside and we try to say that this just isn't what God would use. God wouldn't use astrology. But their astrology was different. It wasn't about horoscopes. They consulted the stars, stars, but they also were consulting the scriptures when they were making these guidance and this consultation to the kings. And they knew that a king was going to be born. So where do they go? They, they get, follow the star to Bethlehem, but where's the first place they go? 
they go to the king, to the palace. And they went to Herod. And they are accustomed to consulting the king. So when he asks them questions, they answer those questions, right? We have to give them some credit, though, because when he asked them to go and come back to him, they knew something was up. Mm -hmm. They knew that he was going to do something. So um, Joel chapter 230 is is, um, quoted in Acts 219. So... It's repeated next to 19, and it says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth below. And Jesus even says of himself in Revelation that I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So I want to tell you stars, it's so funny, Linda anticipated me. Stars are not, are not a bad thing. The fact that they studied the stars in correlation with the the prophecies given in scripture is what brought them. Okay, so what can we learn as Christians from that? Okay, I I I, 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 no, I, I kind of went real fast there. So let me let me back up okay. and do that again. That was me. I kind of shifted gears real fast. Okay. If they used their science of the day, astrology was their science of the day. If they were able to use that through the lens of scripture, through the lens of these prophecies, and that brought them to the Christ child, what can that tell us about maybe using our sciences or the knowledge that we are given today, the technology that we are given today? How should we use it? Well, we oh, go ahead, Debbie. <laughs> it's go bad ahead. when I'm not there and I can't see to the thought. <laughs> it, shows, it shows us that we should use what we're given today to search out the prophecies. And when we do that, we see how many of them are coming to pass and how soon the coming of the Lord is. I like that. Yes, that answer. Um, I was just, just going to say that um, I don't know if you ever listened to Amar, Amir Savard. I know who you're talking about. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> he, because he was born in, in um, Peterson in the Galilee, actually, where he really lived. I, I love listening to him. And um, he was talking about, um, oh, shoot, I just. You know what? It's tough getting old, folks. It's what it is. I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> so let me gather it back. Maybe it won't come back so easily. Okay, we're talking about using these things we're living mm-hmm. now. Okay, and what I'm thinking is one of the one of the prophecies that for the longest time has had everybody stumped. How are we gonna be able to do that when it talks about um, people being able to see um, or, or hear from all across the world, we'll see stuff, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the uh, the return of Christ or the antichrist on the TV. Um, 
that is going to be available to people all across the world. And you think, how would that be? How would that be? How would that be? You know, and even, that, and, you know, and I was thinking even back, back then when we just had radio, and I'm like, well, okay, you need people to hear. Mm -hmm. But it was saying they were going to see everything. So um, I just, you know, just one by one, things are coming, coming through. Right. Um, and the, um, Amir made a comment the other day about the um, the news that Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia was going to join um, Egypt. Oh my God, Israel and the other country. And he said there's something about that in the Bible, and just like the other guys. Um, um, we're going to join in here mm -hmm. um, on the other side, the China, China and mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I'm not listening very good, obviously, but um, you know, he said that that's something that people said that, that the Bible says was going to happen. You know, right. people getting so he said people need to be. This we, is what's happening now. So I will admit, Revelation is not my favorite book of the Bible to read because it is so full of, it feels like conflicting and confusing and it just doesn't make sense for the Bible, okay? It doesn't make sense for the Bible. That's the way it feels like to oh, me. Wow. But at the same time, it feels like a fantasy story. And I love to read fantasy, I, I do, but, but it is true. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's never been my favorite to read when I'm studying. It's not my favorite to study. But in today's world, and I think, I, and I keep thinking, okay, have I just hit this point in my life where I've, I've hit that age where, okay, it's time that I, I'm going to start looking because everything's changing and nothing's the way it was when I was a kid. Because we all hit that age. Yeah. Everybody hits that point in their life. And then we all start focusing on, okay, God, you got to become a vaccine because everything's falling apart. But at the same time, we are watching things and seeing things happen that we never would have imagined five years ago, much less 10, 20 years ago. I remember when I was a, when I was a teenager, we had a menace, a friend, I think he's a friend of ours, but a minister came to our church and he preached and he was talking about this new technology that they were um, taking a needle and putting a microchip under the skin of um, yes. soldiers who were deployed in dangerous areas so that if they found them, if they, had, if they were captured or whatever, or if they were found, they could scan that microchip and know. And I thought, oh, that's crazy. That's not happening yet. Yeah. And then just a few years later, we started microchipping all our pets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, all of my animals are microchipped. That was just part of their spay and neuter procedure. Mm -hmm. And if, if they run away and they scan them, they're gonna call me. To come find them. So he was using that as an example of the mark of the beast. How easy it would be, you know, to inject that. Although, you know, the Bible says that it will be, 
stamped yeah. or tattooed upon them. And, you know, you know, I don't know exactly what the words, I can't remember what the words are, but it's written upon them is what it says. So over the years, they've said they would stamp it, they would tattoo it, they would brand it. We've been told all those things, but the Bible says it's written upon them. But written doesn't have to mean that it's visible. Written can mean that it's a microchip under the skin. That's right. And those things we know, okay, we have this science. What does scripture say is humming? Is this science going to be used in that way? That's not being a, a fear monger. That's, that's, I'm always worried about being a fear monger to tell everybody, oh no, 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 the sky's falling. I'm not gonna be chicken little running around telling everybody the sky's falling. But at the same time, the wise men would have never met the king of kings if they hadn't used their science in reflection of prophecies of scripture. Mm -hmm. How do we find Christ in today's crazy world? How do we find him? We have to, we can't say that science is no good. COVID in the church world became such a, 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 a volatile, I mean, everybody's arguing over it, but there's so many people I hear who say, well, that science doesn't mean anything. And that bothers me because this science, we can't dismiss science because the science is what is showing us that these prophecies are coming true. I, I just, you know, the microchip thing is what gets me. That's the one thing. And I know that's, that's dated news now. I mean, because we've microchipped for decades now. But when that first came out, when I was a teenager, I was just in shock and thought nobody would ever let that happen but you know i have a son in the military now he is overseas he's not in a deployed or dangerous area but he is stationed overseas and i i can only imagine that you know as a parent if he was in some place that where he was i would want to be able to identify him and that would be you know it would be very tempting if they said you had to do this because that's the way we're, we're programmed. We want closure and we want to know. It would be, yeah, that's the thing that gets me. Start with our animals, our pets, make it comfortable. And it's the same thing with the mandatory vaccines, which yeah. I think it's a, a choice. I don't think the vaccine in and of it's a bad thing. I think it, but I think it should be a personal choice. Right. Because they're conditioning us to be willing to take whatever they tell us we have to take. That's exactly right. We're being desensitized to a lot of things we never would have thought we would allow to happen to us. And I think that's where we as Christians need to be really careful that we mm -hmm. stay in the word and know the prophecies. Like you said, not to be a fear monger, but to have our eyes open enough not to allow things to happen that could have a Clap, uh, catastrophic effect, so to speak, right. on our lives. Right. But where was the church when the government tried to say churches are obsolete, but it was okay to uh, go to a strip joint, go Man, to the bar? We failed. The church has you know, failed over the decades. We have failed. I will say, I'm going to say this. 
<laughs> of course, I'm from Cincinnati area, so I'm very, in, I'm very in tune to this NFL news this week. But the fact that grown men who have protested our flag, who have protested everything, but when they saw a dire emergency happen on the football field Monday night, and they saw a 24-year-old man laying there, un not responding, having to have CPR, having to have life-saving measures on a football field. What was their reaction? They dropped to their knees. They were crying. They were crying out to God. Even some of those men yes. probably don't believe in God because we are designed and created with this inner need to cry out to our creator. When things happen, we cry out to God. Even those who swear there is no God will cry out to somebody. ESPN, who has been very much part of the whole news media that has gone very liberal and off the chain, I mean, off the tra tracks, their sportscasters were praying. They didn't say, let's send them good thoughts, which is what we often hear. It was, we need to pray. They're praying on air. God will bring his message. And if the church fails, he's going to use the other methods. And God is calling out to each and every one of us right now. Don't ignore the signs. I'm coming. Don't ignore the signs. I'm coming. And he's calling out to us. He's drawing us that, you know, the Bible talks about that there will be this, you know, he'll draw us to him, right? He's drawing us to him. I've also heard for years this, this prophecy that we would experience um, the third great awakening. Um, the great awakenings that have been the great revivals where it's like the earth resets because everybody comes back to God, at least in America. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be. Um, and we've had these prophecies that has happened and it happens about every hundred years. We're a little past when it should have happened. But is that what we're on the verge of? Because if it is, I fully believe that that will lead us and usher us into the time of Christ's return, that we are into this point in history, that we are to be reaching everyone, part of that push so that everyone will hear and see and know who Christ is. They're not going to all accept, and we know that, but this is a time when we push things like the way we are able to record this as a podcast. Mm -hmm. A decade ago, we would have just sat here and it, it probably would have just been me and Linda tonight because there would have been no way for anybody to join us via right. Zoom, no way for anybody to watch this later. But how many people can we potentially reach with our messages? Mm -hmm. um, we, we struggle, you know, we're talking about the church. The church struggles with, they, 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 they're getting censored a lot on some social media outlets still. Um, the reason we started our podcast was because um, YouTube kept blocking our church channel. So they got to move to Rumble. Well, they're working on that. They are working on that. 
and YouTube has lifted some of the stuff and they're, I think they're able to post some again, but it's, it's a constant fight with, with YouTube. Facebook is constantly like muting parts of the sermons and it's a constant fight, but they're staying in the fight because they know that's where they're going to reach the most people right now. But I moved the Bible study to a podcast. I can advertise the podcast on Facebook. I can still post on YouTube if YouTube will let us post. But we have to use the science that's given us, the technology that's given us, this knowledge that's given us, and not dismiss those who have the, this education or this knowledge, but instead take what they have to teach us, compare it to the word of God, and where does it stand, and what is it leading us to? And that's exactly what these these foreigners, these people who were not of the, they weren't of Israel. They weren't the, the people of God. They weren't the chosen nation, but they were able to take what they had been given and still come and find Christ. That is a foreshadowing of who Christ was going to be here for. He was come to be the Messiah for the Jewish nation, but he also came to be the savior of the world. And that includes every one of us, the Gentiles, that's right. All right. There, I have three other things I want, I'm trying to get to. Look at this. My time's getting away from me. I don't think I'm going to get to all three. We may have to finish the day of epiphany next week. All right. So let, let's see if I can at least get to this next section nothing new there nothing new there that's why me trying to say we're gonna have a six-week study normally turns into about 10 um my five-week study was only five weeks i did good i got that one okay so what gifts do we know that the magi brought the christ child gold frankincense and myrrh gold frankincense and myrrh do those sound like typical baby gifts is that what you would wrap up for a baby shower i don't think i would maybe oh no we might get the gold because we might get money you know but but it doesn't seem very typical even in that time to be gifts but um but remember, they thought this was the king. They were coming to a king, absolutely. Now, Origen, who is one of the um, church fathers um, and historian and wrote lots of stuff, this is his quote of what he says about the Magi's gift. It says, gold as to a king, myrrh as to one who was mortal, and incense as to a god. So let's think about that. He, they brought gold because they were coming to worship a king. They were coming to let themselves be known to this king. They were seeking a king that they knew would be risen. They brought myrrh. What was myrrh used for? Do you guys remember? The, the, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> take care of the body when it was deceased. Embalming. Right. Embalming. Embalming. Yeah. You both had it. 
they used it as they, it was a it was an ancient form of embalming. It was a spice. It would keep the smell down long enough for them to have a their version of a wake or funeral and to bury the the body. It, and what it would also, I think, it um, it deterred predators from trying to get into the tombs. Um, scavengers, you know, wild animals would, I mean, probably try to get in. And I think the myrrh, the scent was one of those that deterred them. So it, it says, as to one who was mortal, he was God and he was king, but he was gonna die one day. And then incense, frankincense was an incense. How did most cultures, even the Jewish culture in that day, how did they worship God? When they would go into the temple, they would burn incense. They would burn the good smelling things. And those things were to, uh, given as offerings to God because they were often costly. All three of things were costly. Gold, myrrh, and frankincense were costly things. But they were very specific as to why they would bring those things. They were costly gifts that would be needed at some point in his life. Some point in his life. They didn't, I don't even know that they recognized that he was God at that point. They knew that he was a king, that he was the future king, whether he was a king or not, and that he was a mortal, that he was going to die one day. And it makes us think, are we thoughtful about the gifts we bring to Jesus? So I'm going to take this. We're going to start with monetary because he start, they started with gold, right? We always list gold first. Are we thoughtful with our gifts that we give in Christ's name? Our tithes, our 10%, is it a chore or are we thoughtful about making sure we set aside the time to do it and give it? When we are asked to give another gift or God puts somebody in front of us that we can help in some way, you, and I'm, I'm still on finances right now, it may not be much, but if I have an extra $5 and I can buy somebody lunch who doesn't have the money, am I thoughtful about that? Am I thinking, oh, this is God's opportunity for me to show him that I trust him and to show God's love to someone else? Okay, we're mortal. We all have what? We all have talents, right? Even if we want to admit we have talents, we all have talents. Do we give those talents to God? Now, Linda, this is something that <laughs> you wouldn't know yet, but Debbie and I both um, have spent some time in the past few years hiding some of our talents. Ooh. Hiding, we are um, both former pastor's wives, both ministers of, in, our own, <laughs> in our own right, not mm -hmm. just our husbands. And we kind of hid behind the fact that our husbands were former pastors and just sat in church for a while. We both did it. And about, we, we ended up at the same church, same time, and about the same time, God pulled us both out and said, nope, you can't do that anymore. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we've, we've, we've traveled through this, a little bit of this journey here together. When we have talents and gifts, 
Are we giving those? Are we thoughtfully giving those to God? It's okay. I mean, I've had to draw some boundaries and say, no, I can't do anything else right now. And I have to do, I have to recognize that it's okay for me to say no, if I don't feel that God put that in my lap. But at the same time, I've spent, well, when we first, <laughs> that first year, it was okay, wherever you need me, I'll do. And I filled in and I did the things that weren't necessarily my favorite things to do. I did things that I loved to do, but I really thought my time doing it was done, but because they needed somebody to do it. And this fall, God, I, God, I feel God spoke to me and said, okay, you've done your time of doing whatever. You've given, you've given what I've asked you to give. Now it's time for you to do these specific things. And there are two or three specific things that I'm focusing on. And it's hard for me to balance those two or three things. I can't imagine if I was still doing the other stuff. So are we thoughtful in how we use our talents? It's okay if God is, if you are praying about it and God's not leading you to do something, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, no, that's not where God has me at this moment. But don't use that as an excuse to hide and not do anything. That's, that's a balance that we have to find. And then we talk about the incense to God. What is our worship? That's the way. The incense was an instrument of worship. What is your instrument of worship in your life? Romans 12.1 says that our lives are purposed to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That's our reasonable service and our true and proper worship. Is that we give our all to him. We give him who we are. Are we giving him who we are? Are we holding this part back and saying, nope, this part's mine, God, you can't have this. I've got this. I'm going to figure this part out. Are we letting him guide our lives? It's hard to give up control of who we are, isn't it? We live in a culture that is so ingrained in find your identity. Determine who you are. I don't care who I am anymore. I care who I am in Christ. I care who Christ created me to be. I don't care what culture tells me to be. I don't care what the church world tells me I need to be. I care what God's called me to be. That is being a living sacrifice. To be who God calls you to be. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard. It'll cost us friendships. Sometimes it costs us relationships with family members when we are who God calls us to be. But what we gain in return is so much greater. So the wise men demonstrated giving as sacrificial and on purpose. 
It was costly things. It was with a purpose. There was a reason for their gifts. It doesn't just happen. Giving of ourselves does not just happen. It has to be on purpose. We have to choose every morning when we wake up, every step we take out of our door, every encounter we have at work or, or in the grocery store or the gas station, we have to choose to be God's creation, to be what God's created us to be. That's our gift to him. Okay, it is. We're running out of time. <laughs> I don't like this time limit. I feel like I'm crunched. Well, does it really have a time limit? Uh, this doesn't have a time limit, but we try to keep us at right at an hour for um, podcast. It's not just for the podcast, but it's also for often. That's about all I can get some people to sit. <laughs> um. There are times, though, that we go much longer than an hour. I just sometimes stop recording because, because it becomes very personal and part of and just part of our local fellowship. But we would be here another hour if I keep going. So we're well, I was going. Thinking I need to remember to bring. Um, hello, I've had two hip replacements. <laughs> So these chairs are not conducive. No, they are not. We're, so I, I remember to bring a pillow next time. I, I might not be so wiggly. I wiggle in my chair the whole time because I—that's why I like to stand when I teach because I move. Mm -hmm. But um, tonight I am—I was seated. We were just—it's much cozier in here. So I may leave the Christmas decorations up for one more week so we can finish our day of Epiphany. <laughs> and well, you know, they could almost work for Valentine's Day. They almost could. Um, they are. They belong to a, a decorator at our church, and I probably need to return them. I've had them <laughs> almost a month. <laughs> but all right, so we're going to close out here with prayer. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and pray. And I'm just, I ask that if you get anything out of this today, that there, there's two points that we made. One, that we use the knowledge, the information, the technology, the science, whatever that God has given us, that we look at it in light of what scripture says. That's how we evaluate it. But then also, that we are living our lives as a reasonable act of service and worship to him. That these wise men showed us this with their gifts. They showed us this with the fact that they traveled on foot. You know, we always see them on camels, but let's be honest, if they had a camel, it was probably carrying all their stuff and they were walking and they traveled to see the king. What are we willing to do to see the king and to meet the king? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much 
for this opportunity for us to get together and to dig into your word, to dig into something that just seems to be a familiar Bible story, but to see the depth and the knowledge of what you've given to us through this example. Father, I pray for every person in this room, on Zoom, or who listens to this on podcast, that you would grant in their heart this desire to become more and more of who you have called them to be, that you would grow in them this ability to live their lives as an act of worship to you, that we are purposeful in our thoughts, that we are purposeful in our actions and in our choices to reflect our worship of who you are. And just ask that you would continue to bless each and every person who is part of this study. Father, that you would answer these prayer requests that we have spoken of before the podcast began and that you would continue to move in the lives of all that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to stop this recording.